Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. I be you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots. And threw shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn emails. I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I going to have to get? Hey, thanks for listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. We hope you like it. If you're new to the podcast, we do suggest starting at the beginning. We think that's best. And if you're loving Mormon and the Meth Head and you just got to have more Mormon and the Meth Head, well, we have got a Patreon that's full of bonus episodes, guest interviews, other fun content. So head on over to patreon.com slash Mormon and the Meth Head and you can get even more of Aaron and Jessa in your life. Hey, real quick, we don't want you guys to forget me and Jessa are coming to a town near you if you happen to live near one of the following towns. <laughs> Hokum, Washington, July 13th. Yakima, Washington, July 14th. Everett, Washington, July 16th. Tacoma, Washington, July 17th. On July 19th, we're going to shake things up and go to Pendleton, Oregon. And then July 20th, 21st, 22nd, we're going to be at Liquid Laughs in Boise, Idaho. Uh, check our Facebook page for details and tickets, and we'll see you guys there. One of them believes in a higher power. The other believes in the power of getting high. It's time for Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our so father's day morning oh god uh we are so my, i have i have my son with me here in los angeles we're staying at jess's house we're staying in your girl's room right so, uh, Father's Day morning, wake up in this in this pink Hello Kitty bed uh, that I'm sharing with Ethan, and uh, he didn't want to get out of bed right away, and he was just kind of a little grumpy, and he asked me if I would read to him. Will you read to me? So we brought Cyborg Superman with us. It's a thrilling tale, and we read a couple chapters out of Cyborg Superman. And he was finally like ready to get out of bed, and he climbed over top of me and jumped off the bed, and I just kind of grabbed him. Grabbed his arm a little bit and I said, Hey, man. And he turned and looked at me, like, you know, like almost rolling his eyes and said, You freaking love me. And I was like, How did you know what I was going to say? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. And he said, 
because you tell me that every day. <laughs> and he just smiled at me, and I smiled at him. I had a huge grin on my face. Like, what a way to start Father's Day. It was just, it was a sweet, perfect moment. And at that exact time, I heard you uh, physically kick in the door <laughs> to the other bedroom and announce to your daughters, all right, shit birds, it's time to wake up. Uh... We celebrate Father's Day a little different at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I just met your kids uh, being like, ah, mom. Yeah. Okay, shit birds, it's time to get up. And yeah. you're like, how did you know? <laughs> like, you say it to us <laughs> multiple times a day. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and my kids are, like, impervious to, I can't wait for some boss to think they're going to yell at one of my kids and, and make my kids cry. And my kids are just like, uh, yeah, my mom talks to us like that at breakfast. Oh, it's so interesting to be around. I rarely hang out with other parents. I rarely, uh, like, get to see other parents' parents. And it's just, it's fun to, to be here this week. And watch Ethan interact with your kids and see how different they are and see. I feel like no matter what you do as a parent, all you can do is choose the way in which you will fuck up your kid. Right. Like there's exactly. No, you, so, like, um, I uh, don't yell at Ethan. Right. I don't yell at Ethan and, because I, I, I got yelled at and, like, I – had to I then I I used to yell at people a lot. I used to lose my temper and yell at people a lot and uh everyone fucking hated it. <laughs> I <laughs> as a missionary, oh my goodness. I feel so I feel I've got a real big shame too to the that associated with the temper because I'd always been told it was a bad thing. And I still feel so embarrassed about missionary companions that I yelled at. But and I think I'm probably too hard on myself because you are spending 24 hours a day with the same person for at least six weeks. But you could I I was together with someone for six months, uh, so it's you, what did you yell at him for? Probably nothing. Probably absolutely nothing. I just uh, screamed because I couldn't. You See, just, I can't see you yelling at anyone that isn't like. Oh. I did that mean that to me that's that means uh I've succeeded. I've I have done a better job at curtailing this temper or whatever. Yeah. That but like that because that's so sensitive to me, I am I never I'll I try to never ever 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 raise my voice at Ethan. We get yeah yeah. And there is the the benefit to that. There's the good side yeah. that I feel like uh you know, the whatever problems I had with getting yelled at, he won't have those problems. On the other hand, he will have a boss that yells at him one day, and he will make him cry, and he'll be like, Dad, why didn't you uh, prepare me for the future better, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's some way, whatever you do, you're going to fuck up your kids somehow. I think the point of life is that you're in a maze and you have to find your way out, and that as uh, as a parent, you are... Uh, giving them tools to find their way out of the maze that you are creating for them. And that is, uh, that is it. So I try to teach my kids. I try to parent to 
adulthood. Like, what is going to help you in adulthood? But at the same time, like, I'm an adult trying to live my life and and get things done. And sometimes in the moment, I'm not... I just make sure that I, I will go back and apologize. But we had this conversation about... Well, no, well, I just think that you're giving... I What I find interesting about it is that, like, I think there's more than one way out of the maze, right? Like, yeah. you can strategize differently. Yep. And say, like, I'm going to... Uh, like, if you're if you are making a character in Dungeons & Dragons and you have to... You know, you, there's different strengths you can give a character and find different ways to solve the same uh, obstacles, right? And I thinks hanging out with other parents and seeing the way they parent opens my mind up to things I hadn't thought about and to think about like the the because you can see the differences in, in between the way Phoenix uh, and, and Ethan behave right that that's a, a, a result uh, of their upbringing right that things I mean obviously they each have their own personalities that would be there traits that would be there no matter uh, who they were parented by but I can see stuff that's like, oh, Ethan does this because I talk to him like that or because I do this, right? And uh, that's just the only way I've ever thought to do it. But when I see someone else giving different tools to their kids, uh, I don't know, it always opens my mind up more. And it also takes the pressure off me, too. Where I feel like, oh, if I yell at my kid one time, it's not a big fucking deal. Yeah. I mean, I do. If I yell out of frustration... Uh, sometimes they'll, I'll have a real short fuse and because I'm in the middle of something or I'm stressed or, or anxious about something, I will always go back and apologize for that. But sometimes, uh, like yesterday where, uh, Lilith was just pu- pushing boundaries, pushing boundaries, pushing boundaries. She wasn't going to stop until I yelled. Like she wasn't going to take me seriously because when you're around, I, t- I, I much, I parent closer to the way that you parent. Uh, you're going to go take. Trying to impress me. Uh, I, I just, when you're around, it reminds me how much I respect that and how much I like that. And it makes me want to emulate it. And so I just the, in the time that we've been friends, it's affected the way that I parent the kids. I take more time and stop in the moment. Because when you have two kids, they fist fight 24-7. So conflict just becomes, they fight over everything. And so conflict just becomes something that I'm desensitized to. I'm just like, uh, knock it the fuck off. Like that. Like I just, if I stopped every time these two fought with each other, I would never get anything done. Yeah. So and I've got the the luxury of not I I don't know one kid it, and two kids one, is so different. One kid is way easier, uh, and so yeah, I stop any time, and I'm just like, let's take a moment to talk about your feelings, buddy. Yeah. Why do you think you did this? How did that make you feel? Um, you know. <laughs> so when they're having conflict with Ethan, I stop and I and I and I talk and I have more teachable moments with them. Where I am doing that 10% of the time, ordinarily, when they're fighting with each other. I, uh, yeah, I was thinking yesterday, because I have had multiple kids for a long time. Like, I got clean, I got my daughter back, my husband got his son back, and I went from no kids to two kids. And then Phoenix was born, and then had three kids. So I, yesterday, when we went to the mall with all the kids, it's just this chaotic shit show to where you just have to surrender to getting pummeled by the chaos that is multiple children and we were at the end of that i thought wow aaron doesn't have it because it's so different when you have one kid it's so different it's it's like you and me you and me friend uh Mm -hmm. type experience that isn't 
the sh- it's just chaos. It's just chaos with multiple kids. It's a yeah. completely different thing. And so I, I think- was I was really bonded with my uh, brother growing up. I felt like everything that we did as a family, I was doing with my brother. My parents just were people that took us places together. Yeah. Uh, but like every uh, thing that we did, I did with him. Yeah. My parents kind of chauffeured us, and I th- and I think that. Did you fight? Oh, well, constantly, constantly. We still, there's still no one that can make me angry like my brother can. And like, he just, there's just a button that he has access to and can push it anytime he wants. And uh, yeah, we still, we still fight. It's, but I, I, we, we would fight all the time when we were little. But I just, I wonder what it's like. Like when I did something with just my dad, I remember one day he picked me up from school early and like I just got to miss the the last part of school, and we went out and went to like a bowling alley or something. He told me about uh, how he liked Otis Redding. <laughs> he told me about how he liked Otis Redding, and I've I kept that in my head my entire life. That's how important that day was to me. Anytime I hear sitting on the dock of the bay, I think about how my dad told me where he was when he when Otis Redding died. Because he told me that story about, oh, I was working on a house uh, when I heard on the radio that Otis Redding died. And I've l- and I've locked on to that. Right. Uh, and because that was your one time. Alone yeah. With him. And I just think I spend so much time just with Ethan. What is it? Uh, it's It's got to be totally different for him. Yeah. It's uh, I. Yeah, I know you're not supposed to be your kid's friend. You're supposed to be the parent and stuff. But I do feel like when we go when to Disneyland, just me and him. And when we go, we're constantly going to movies or going to parks. Where everything we do is just me and him. So it's definitely a different dynamic there. Yeah. I think that the uh, – I was eight years old when my parents started having more kids. So my sibling experiences uh, were – they were just babies that I had to babysit when I became a teenager. You know, they weren't – my peers in that brief amount of time when you were a teenager but before you were married in the brief (laughs) amount of time in between the mental hospital (laughs) the mental hospital school you had to babysit twice (laughs) and then told everyone that they were your children (laughs) my parents grounded me so much and i think they grounded me because they were in multiple pool leagues i mean they grounded me because i like got drunk at the uh yeah you and set the school on fire but like they uh, they were going to ground you no matter what. Right, but they grounded me they way needed... longer because they needed a babysitter. Like, I was just perpetually grounded without any, like, I didn't know how long I was going to be grounded because it was really kind of around uh, the pool league schedule because then I would be stuck at home with mm-hmm. my little sisters who ratted me out for having parties. So what I worry about all the time is if I'm too attached to Ethan. The, the, and I... And I I think because I'm aware of it that I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be okay. I'm co- I'm like trying to check myself. But I think I was always a protective parent. Uh I was always I was pr- I didn't let people hold him when he was a baby. Yeah, I didn't let favorite. people hold him. Uh that still maybe if I had a Pe- second baby I'd feel Who do you mean by people? I mean, you know, like people people at church or, you know, grandmas. <laughs> important clarification but it's just i i just didn't i didn't uh get it because you wanted to hold him 
I just got him. I just. <laughs> he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and I just got him <laughs> hours ago. And now because you drove here from Boise in the middle of the night and in a snowstorm, you think you just get to walk into this uh, hospital room and pull my firstborn son out of my arms? and can't, uh, uh, No offense, Mom, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I love you and everything, but stay in your lane, okay? Yeah. Nicole was three weeks old the first time I took a weekend away from her, and I left her with some friends. Really? Yeah. That A weekend? A weekend. We left on fr- my My husband and I left. Uh, I never bonded with her, probably because I left for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. When that's supposed uh, to be taking place. I left for a weekend and then uh, six a year drug. A <laughs> fucking weekend. I uh, have detachment issues and I never attached to her, which is probably how she got left. Do you worry that you're too det- uh, detached? I was so terrified of not attaching to Phoenix and Lilith that I did not leave them overnight until they, I think, Phoenix was one and it was a necessity and Lilith was two. They they were in my arms 24-7. They slept in my arms. I They took naps in my arms. I breastfed them. I read books on attachment parenting and attachment parented the fuck out of them because I am deep down inside afraid that I am incapable of attaching to my kids. That's Whoa. probably Whoa. the thing that we uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we around. I think we hit it. I think we hit it. End every workout the right way with Core Power. Fueled by 26 grams of high-quality protein to give your body what it needs when it needs it. Recover and build lean muscle with Core Power. All right, so why are you scared of that? Uh, Nicole... I mean, I was a teenager. I did not love myself. I had a ton of abuse and pain that I needed to process. And Nicole uh, was born into a broken marriage. And I thought, based on what everyone else says, that you just will feel attached to this baby. And I think that's natural Uh, But I think I just don't, there was no way I couldn't love anyone back then. I did not love my, like I genuinely did not love myself and I didn't understand myself and I had never felt truly loved or connected to anyone, I don't think. And there was just so, I was so broken and I was in this traumatic marriage. I also didn't know that I suffer from uh, crippling postpartum depression and anxiety and I didn't know what that was and I had a bad marriage to project it onto so she was born into all of this and all I really uh I I made sure she was very clean I've done this with all my kids because I grew up poor when I lived with my mom and I had dirty shoes and kids made fun of me and stuff so you see a lot of this you see a lot of I talk to you about this when I go shopping for them well and also your abuser said the same kind of oh fuck I didn't even think of that we talked about that in the the day that you were shopping, and we started talking about Jessica. Yeah, yeah. You're, I thought that I thought we talked, but maybe it was just subtext. Yeah. But no, I think that's a pretty big. 
the fact that you're that your abuser uh, the, guy say, the guy that molested me got me to molested keep you. the secret by talking about how gross and trashy yeah. I was. He was I just like, why aren't you that. wearing underwear? You're so dirty. You're so trash. Oh, why are you always so filthy? Where you know, he said, thing, yeah. Yeah. You would talk about your clothes and stuff. I so, never put that together. I was just thought like I it's a it I'm obsessed with it because I got made fun of, but that's probably more I accurate. can't believe th- you and I have uh have had this this is my first time experiencing this. I feel like a lot of times I come to a realization that you thought that I knew because it was so obvious. And yeah. you're like, you knew that. And I was like, I really didn't. And you were like, you don't remember talking to me about that? How interesting. And I had like blocked it out. This is the first time where uh, the shoe's on the other foot. We've had things recently I- where you were straight up saying something to me and I didn't, but it was about you. Um Wow, yeah. So I so I was her hair was always perfect, her clothes Nicole. I would yeah, I would give blood to buy cuz we were poor as shit, you know. I would give blood every week, plasma to yeah. buy her nice clothes, and I look like a, a a dumpster fire, but she was uh her face was always cleaner, her, her shoes were always got like she was uh you know, cuz I grew up in a trailer park where the kids would have the crust all over their face and stuff. Like she look she was on point. Physical affection did not exist. Uh I did not attachment parent by a long stretch and I needed a babysitter for everything. There was nothing that I was like, I'm going to take this kid and do this with her. I, I, I took like her education very seriously. I remember like she learned her numbers and her letters and stuff like that. My, I said this yesterday, uh, I edit the podcast and I like taught myself on YouTube videos how to edit the podcast. And I feel like that is how I parent. I parent like I'm going to develop a rock solid uh, philosophy. I do most things in my life intuitively and with a gathering of information and with parenting, I, uh, I don't have that emotional attachment. You mean when you say it's like pot, like editing, do you mean it's technical? You're like, yeah, I will, I, uh, I will assimilate I this knowledge it, and I will, I will get super re- good at it. Yeah. But it doesn't come from, like, I love them. I love them all, but I don't have, uh, now when I first have, when I first have so, a baby, I'm obs- I'm obsessed with the idea of them dying. Like, I'm terrified of them dying. I can tell you every way that a baby or a Is that part of postpartum depression? I do think that's postpartum, like, anxiety. Do other, do, uh, do you know if other women feel like, do they obsess about... So what happens is they end up in these mommy groups and then someone tells a story about their kid getting killed because a dresser fell down. And then you got all these moms who don't know they have postpartum depression and anxiety and they're just bitching at each other about why aren't you anchoring your dresser and at the car seat you got women who are crazy about car seats. People are crazy about vaccinations and they're all just fighting with each other about whatever their trigger thing is. But I could tell you everything about G-force and how it can kill a kid. I could, uh, If you see me in a parking lot with kids because I, I I know a story about a kid getting killed in a parking lot. Like anything that uh, that I've encountered during postpartum is still with me, and postpartum for me is like a year to two years, and it and it affects. I'm very afraid and attached, uh, but I'm afraid of them dying basically. And then and then after that, Phoenix because I was sick. I get so sick with Lilith. I stopped touching Phoenix. And now I have this relationship with Phoenix where she doesn't get touched enough. And that's why when you're around, she's all over you because she she's like starved for physical touch. And I detached like Lilith is still physically connected to me because I didn't detach. But if I got pregnant right now, I would lose that. with. Lilith. So let's back up a little bit. 
you were doing. So I guess this kind of fits into the technical stuff that you're saying you're doing because you're like I I you did all the attachment stuff that you read yeah. about and learned about with yeah. Phoenix, but then when uh I don't just Lilith got too big. You said, so just, when I get when I get pregnant, the first three months is nonstop, incessant, can't leave the house, nausea, like oh. n- like. I, on my deathbed, oh, that's what you mean when you got sick with Lilith. Yeah. Okay. So when Phoenix at the time slept in my bed and like in my arms, and she's like three, and I couldn't be touched. Like I, so I'm like, you have to go sleep in your own bed. And then, and then Lilith was born, and then I had Lilith in my arms 24 seven, and I would feel they call it touched out as a mom when you have a lot of kids and they're just uh, touching you all the time. And touched out happens very quick for me. Uh. Yeah. Well, at, at your house, it happens quick for me as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. So they're starved for it now because now their dad lives in, in, in Portland. Lilith isn't because Lilith still sleeps with me. And uh, uh, I've considered telling Phoenix to come back and sleep with me because it's easier for me when I'm asleep. But I see it when like someone like you. Could, yeah. You know. Why wouldn't they like that when you kick down the door and call them shitbirds? <laughs> <first thing? laughs> they love that. Yeah. Uh, they are... Um, so I I do what I think. But what do you uh, is aren't there other than physical touch? How attached are you to Phoenix? I mean I love my kids. Mm-hmm. I love my kids. I want my kids with me all the time. They uh, I think they're amazing. Like I'm genuinely interested in them as yeah. people. I so don't this... feel the way that you feel about Ethan. Really? There is no. Uh, I have a very – I think it serves me in some ways because I am able – like, especially with Nicole, I am able to uh, parent her. She's 23, and when she left high school and wanted to party kind of hard, I was able to be like, all right, well, this is how this is going to work out for you, and here's the boundaries of – like, I'm not going to enable that, but I'll let you go do it. And I think tons of parents would have been, like, wringing their hands for – she went out. She sewed her wild oats. She figured out. She got her ass handed to her, and when she came back and needed help, I was able to help her. I'm not – I don't – I don't feel like my heart is outside of my chest when it comes to my kids. And I used to be really hard on myself uh, about that. And I think I just love differently. Yeah. Um, And that's why I I also feel similarly self-conscious, which is in the opposite thing where I'm like, I'm – I would like to to read some other books on detachment parenting yeah. and make sure I'm not too uh, overly attached to my son. I feel when when Ethan's feelings are hurt, I feel uh, it deeply affects you. It isn't like uh, uh, which is beautiful. You know, but he's going to go out, especially once school starts and stuff like he's going to go out and live life and he's going to get. I mean, but you said like if he's getting like picked on at school, I don't totally agree okay. with that because um, I there's 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 lots of times where I just and, and I am conscious of it because I'm thinking about it. And I don't want to baby him. Yeah. And no. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't bother. You, I though? don't. Uh. This little little stuff that doesn't matter now. It doesn't bother when me. When he's like, sad, what? it doesn't. You seem okay. Then you're just. The I think shit. There, there there are there are times like it just depends. But it's not like just like his feelings got hurt or something. But uh, uh, I don't know. I think uh, they're just different degrees. Like when something 
that he's trying about matters. Yeah. Uh, versus when most of the, he's five, so most of the things he cries about it does or not does matter. Not. I think I d- am uh, pretty sweet and patient, and will e- even if I don't care about it, I let him t- like you know I yeah. don't dismiss it, and I and I do worry if I'm indulging it, you know, even yeah. though I'm not like super invested, like oh no, baby, what's wrong? I wonder if just like that I'm teaching him. That uh, people give a shit about his problems because yeah. they, they don't. They when don't, you, and when, it will be a. Yeah. I, that's actually a lesson that I've been working on. Where I've, I've we talk a lot about uh, his feelings, but I'm trying to tell him all the time in those conversations that his feelings are his. Yeah, they're his, and that's his. That's his issue. I tell him all the time not to make other people responsible for his feelings. I tell him all the time, uh, you know, you can't, you can't. Uh, manipulate people and try to make them uh care about your feelings through you know you because 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 i i do encourage him to have feelings and to cry and stuff he he's constantly trying to push that boundary where it's like well if i cry about this will i get my way yeah, yeah. like uh, if i tell him when i tell him no he knows how to put on the big pouty face and go <gasps> this is his favorite thing to say when like this is how he thinks he'll win arguments is go you hurt my feelings uh, th- and that's because, you know, we do talk about feelings right. as being important. Yeah. And I'm like, and I tell him, I'm like, do not hurt. Like what you just said hurt Lilith's feelings. That, do you know, be kind. Yeah. And so then he thinks Whenever like you anytime say he doesn't get his he way, like, he's like, yeah. oh, well, dad, you just hurt my feelings. Yeah. And, the, you know, so it it opens up the door for a lot of those conversations. But I do try. So wait. So when he's because I'm interested, I'm wondering if this is projecting on my part then. So when he uh, is upset and you jump up quickly and run in there. That's not an emotional response from you. That's like a conscious decision that this is the this is the way that you cuz you yeah. you can be engaged in something and if he's upset like if 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 I'm engaged in something and my kids now I'm super desensitized to them crying cuz uh-huh. they fight constantly but uh it's all like a mental decision for me. I think it feel oh. it seems to me which is probably my own projecting my own fear of uh my lack of emotional uh, support, but like you, it seems like it is. There's the connection, an empathy, or something. It, I think I. Uh, I think there that? is just a, a strong paternal instinct uh, that, like that, that shoots to the top of my priority list of whatever I'm doing. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, teaching moment or something. Got to make sure Ethan's okay. I also think I'm just more. I'm a little bit more scared when I'm at someone else's house. We're guests in someone else's house and other people's kids are involved because I, I cannot no. stay. I, I just, because I'm so protective of my kid. I, I just, I like don't want to make any other parents mad. So if I hear kids in another room fighting, I want to go get there before Ethan, uh, punches somebody or before Ethan, you know, says something like, I'm, I want to get there and, and, and make sure, that everything's okay. I think more if you were like just observing us at our house and he got upset about something in the other room, I might not jump up. But because I'm like worried about oh, you okay. and your mom and your girls and the fact that like, uh, yeah. But I mean, I think I think great, then the, so I, that's a projection on my part where well, I'm just like, uh, sure. But I still think it's something that that now I'm gonna think about because I do, uh see how that's making him weaker in a lot of ways where he just, he's not, he's never dealing with anything himself. 
the second he gets up like upset about anything, I come in and I'm like, all right, buddy, do you need to have some alone time? Do you need to blah, blah, blah? I do think overall I'm finding a good balance. I'm aware of it. But like at the playground, we are at the playground with someone else. And uh, this mom, like this, this mom, the kid came to them and said, somebody kicked me or something. She like hunted the down the playground to find the kid and then be like, hey, did you do this? She said, you did this. That's not okay. Don't do that again. And I, as protective as I am, I feel like I shut, I make a conscious effort to shut it off at the playground because Ethan doesn't have any siblings. He doesn't have anybody. He's going like in you, a lot of sing, uh, a sing only child, not single child. Only child are spoiled, awful, yeah. terrible kids. And I don't. So I'm like, this is your chance to get bullied, man. Yeah. So I purposely shut that switch off, and I'm like, I'm hoping somebody bullies him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, you're gonna, you're not gonna get it at home. Who, <laughs> who else are you gonna learn it from? Uh, I'm gonna start paying kids to bully my son. <laughs> Like, hey, go push that. It's go push that little blonde kid. Uh, parenting. <laughs> I hate helicopters. Here's a. Uh, I hate helicopter parents. We are all here at the playground so that we can play with our phones for 15 minutes without <laughs> having to talk to these little fucking shits. And you are hawking your kid around the playground. That's your own fucking insecurity. Don't project that onto me. Don't be giving me the evil evil eye from across the toddler park. I used to go to this thing in the mall in Delaware. My sister and I would sit there with the coffees that we weren't supposed to have inside of it and playing our phones and talking shit and just everything's rubber in here like they're fine like they are fine lily can't even walk yet and then you just get hawked by these moms that are just hovering over their kids that's like that is that is my uh antithesis like i can't uh-huh ugh, i hate I, at the playground i am Playing. I yeah, I'm playing. I'm not. A, I am helicoptering. I'm hovering around, but it's because I'm involved in all the games. Every time I go to a playground, Ethan wants to. Pl- I want him to play with other kids because I'm like, this is what we're here for. Like, go play with some other kids, and he'll be like, play with me, play with me. And then what? What inevitably ends up happening is that I start running around the playground, making bird noise, like ah, like, and I'm because I'm, I'm chasing Ethan. I'm trying to catch him and put him back into my nest, which is on the jungle gym, and then. Four to six other children that I don't know, <laughs> then are all joining in on this game because they see they see an adult doing something and they're like uh, funny and silly. And yeah. They all want to play. So then suddenly I am now the one parent to play, with. and all these other parents. I mean, some parents you never see. They're they don't they're Maybe. chill. Yeah. But like other parents are like awkward that I'm playing with their kid and yeah. they're like coming up and they're like, hey, uh, uh, no one ever talks to each other at the playground. You only talk to each other. There's kids. Yeah. Do, through you, you talk through the you know. So the the parent, this dude is like standing a few feet away from me, but he won't say anything to me. He's just like telling. He's like, uh, "Leave that man alone, honey. Just yeah. uh, let them play. Let them play." And uh, it's like I'm like, it's fine. You get, it, but I often wonder if like they are weirded out. That I I'm would assume with their that my kids are driving the stranger nuts. Like this dude came here to play with his own kid, not you. And so I would be telling. Have I my told kids, that story the day that uh, Tabitha left me? I you've told it. I'm not sure you told it on the podcast. If, uh, if uh, here it goes, we'll edit it. If I already have told it, but uh, the day she left, I was a mess, and I took Ethan to a park, and uh, I was just. I I mean I wasn't there. I wasn't, and I was not playing on the playground that day. I was still, <laughs> and Ethan was 
following around another kid and his dad. And that dad looked pretty clearly uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe I'm just projecting. But he looked like he didn't want Ethan well, involved in this Well, Ethan's like three game. at this point. Yeah. And I said, uh, uh, don't let him, you know, let him play with the, with his daddy. You, uh, you, you got daddy a daddy cry. or something like that. And he, and Ethan was like, I want this daddy. <laughs> and I was like, you're just like your mother. <laughs> and that's one of the jokes that I told at open mic that night. Those, I, that's when I started, it was Is at that, that the night it, that you told it? It was at that playground. Ethan did that, and I could immediately see the funniness in that. Yeah. And then I went, oh, my God, it's Wednesday. There's an open mic tonight. I can do open mic. And I started uh, writing out jokes to tell an open mic, and that's what saved me. That Like, I was a fucking wreck until I started writing out a set list. Was that the OkCupid okay joke? The OkCupid, okay yeah. The, every Everything. <laughs> There's so so much of my act was written that one day <laughs> at the playground while Ethan chased a new daddy. Um, Ethan, so Lilith is violent and and mean and Phoenix. Can I tell what Lilith said to me? Yes. Uh, at the dinner table the yes. other night, I was trying to get Ethan to eat his food, and she was also trying to get Ethan to eat. Like she was like telling him, I was like, "You have to eat this many bites," and then she would tell him, "No, you don't have to eat that many." <laughs> And I was like, Lilith, who's his dad? And she just kind of got quiet and, like, sat back. She, like, was leaning over the table. And when I said that, it kind of stopped in her tracks. She just kind of look in her eye, and she, like, sat back into the into her seat. And then I'm, like, cutting up stuff for Ethan. I'm like, this is how many bites you have to eat. And then I look back over at her, and she's like, my dad is Satan. <laughs> and I... I'm Satan too. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and she says, and that, and that, and that me, and that means you want to, uh, you hurt, you hurt, you want to hurt people. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to hurt people? And she just then looked at me again and was like, Sophia, <laughs> but she started uh, talking about some neighborhood bully Sophia that she wants to hurt. But I was like, uh, Lilith is much sweeter in person than than you make her online persona out to be. But I, she still does tell you that she's Satan. Yeah, she they is are pretty real scary kids. And she just sometimes will offer up stuff like, offer up stuff like, uh, maybe when I get older I won't hurt people, or maybe when I get older I'll be more nice. Uh, she beat the shit out of her sister. Like, Phoenix is twice her size. Would you say she's twice her size? Easily twice her size. And uh, Phoenix is just a genius. Like, Phoenix is brilliant, very smart, very high-strung. She was very high-strung. Like, impossible to deal with high-strung when she was younger. And I broke her of a lot of that. And me breaking her of a lot of that will likely uh, be an issue when she gets older. Because there was a lot of, like, with Phoenix, I just had to put her somewhere and walk away from it. Because she would lock in. If a plan changed... It was an hours-long meltdown. Like, just a complete... She couldn't... Like, things had to stay exactly the same all the time. And she was she, incapable of, of switching gears. 
And so it's kind of when I got in this habit of they never know what's happening before it's going to happen because if there's a change in plans, like she couldn't wrap her mind around it. She was weird about tags in her clothes and everything else. And then Lilith comes along and Lilith has colic. She had lip tie, tongue tie. Like she was a. What is that? Uh, it's for your this that thing that thing that connects your lips to uh-huh. your gums. It's like too big, so your lip won't fold back. Makes breastfeeding very difficult. Huh, okay. And then the tongue tie is underneath. You can't really see it, but it makes it to where. So I think your it's, tongue can't come out. Yeah, and so it, it causes a lot of issues with breastfeeding. Mm. And so you haven't heard about long, uh, lip tie and tongue tie for a long time because we were all bottle feeding, and it doesn't really affect bottle feeding. But now that breastfeeding has come back, anyway, so I had to go get it like lasered. It was awful. And um, anyway, Lilith was a nightmare from the time she was born. Phoenix kind of got lost in the shuffle for a while while we figured Lilith out. And then Lilith is just like as a nightmare. And Lilith, when she wants something. The most adorable nightmare. She's adorable, but she is. uh, She will like. If she wants something, she figured out at a very young age that she will just. Uh, but I want to go to the park. 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 Like literally, she'll just do this for hours she'll, until you will just give her what you because you have no escape. You can't. There's nowhere that you can lock her. Like you just have. Like I'm like I'm taking you to the park and I'm leaving you <laughs> at the park. I cannot take it. Um. Anyway, so Lilith beats on Phoenix a lot. Like Lilith bullies the shit out of Phoenix, and I. Used to think that it was because she was stronger than Phoenix, and I think that Phoenix actually now, who's eight and could definitely take Lilith, Phoenix puts up with a lot. I think just as uh, she's nice, yeah. yeah. And uh, you were good... asleep, I think, and I heard the kids in the room, and I heard Ethan saying, "Lilith, you are hurting your sister. Please stop. You listen. You are hurting her. You were caught, and it was. It came from this such this like." tender place of just the sweetest love and compassion i mean he loves phoenix but it was just he was he wasn't saying it like yelling at her he was he was trying to just get through to her which no one ever will uh, <laughs> about uh going in there i feel I, that makes me so happy that makes me so happy i feel it was, yeah it was i tell ethan all the time uh that the most important thing i want him to be is kind like, I just want you to be kind to people. Just be kind. Uh, and we talk so much about stuff like that. To hear him parrot my own words yeah. uh, to someone else uh, makes me makes me feel good. I also love that uh, we are raising just, I don't know. It, I don't know how to say it. I, I'm, I'm raising... I made it like a point not to shame my son's femininity. Yeah, I was. I'm trying to raise a feminine son that uh, is that has all those good qualities that I like about myself and that I, in all people. You know, I just think uh, uh, being uh, soft and sweet and nurturing and kind are good qualities in any person, yeah. uh, regardless of sex or gender. And I've never wanted to, like, sh- uh, shame him for feelings and, like, I'm making sure he's really in touch with his feelings and all that stuff. And you are raising super masculine, badass women yeah. uh, at your house that, uh, you know, you are making sure that they are, um, what's the word, uh, uh, assertive. You, you know, they're they're not demure in any way. They're not, they're, you're making sure that they... Uh, are self-actualized. 
that they are like their own uh, people that are outspoken, that take what they want, that do that get that get their needs met and and all this stuff. Right. Uh, and uh, I just always think that that's a fun pair. One day I want to give uh, our kids microphone at least. Well, here's the thing. Phoenix is smart or whatever, but I really just want to get Lilith and Ethan on microphones yeah. while they still talk cute. Yeah. While they still while he still calls her Willwith. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. Uh, Phoenix has been speaking perfectly since she was, what, two? <laughs> Phoenix spoke so articulate at like 18 months that with Lilith, we were like, Lilith didn't talk till she was three and everyone else was worried. And I was like, do you not remember what it was like? Uh, we should be grateful. When for Phoenix this wouldn't time. shut up. Yeah, like we should, let's soak this up. She's going to talk at some point and then she's never going to shut the fuck up. I, um, and we've reached it. My uh, biggest priorities as a parent is uh, happiness. I want my kids to, I want to give them the, hopefully the the biggest advantage at, at finding happiness as adults. And I think that it's so elusive for adults. And I watch things that adults can't figure out for themselves. And uh, people need to be told what to do. And that never resonated with me i never wanted to be told what to do. I, I daydreamed about being emancipated from the time i was a small kid i found out that was a thing and i was obsessed with the <laughs> idea uh you can't get emancipated when you failed every grade since fifth so i did a poor, <laughs> a poor man's they emancipation <laughs> which is just getting knocked up by a passer's kid i um <laughs> i don't send them to school i homeschool them because in two hours they can well phoenix is already in the fourth grade and she's just turned eight so i uh i won't ever make them go to school they can go to school at home and and play and find things that make them happy and bring them joy and well, i think that you that's what you don't want anyone to indoctrinate your kids with yeah fear. i don't want them to fill them with a bunch of bullshit and their perception of reality but a big part of it is i think that childhood is for playing and i don't think that we have built everything in their childhood around the education system that doesn't even work here memory here yeah. spend eight hours eight hours of your 12 hours a day spend it in a classroom having information pumped into your head so that you can then uh, uh parrot it onto a test and then instantly forget most of it and that's your whole yeah. life and then we can't figure out why everyone's standing around waiting to be told what to do as adults it's because you micromanage the living fuck out of them as kids yeah. they don't know how to make a decision for themselves they don't know how to create a world for themselves they don't know how to find happiness i don't do bedtimes because what a weird thing to tell somebody when they're tired i don't uh they eat what they want when they feel like eating it eat when you're hungry sleep when you're tired and that seems like uh, pretty obvious shit, but how many adults are eating when they're not hungry and can't fucking sleep when they're tired? I think it's way too... I'm not trying to create another brick in the wall. I'm not trying to create another worker bee. Like, I am I am uh, f uh, giving them space to figure out who they actually are. Phoenix knows the difference between societal constructs, like what society thinks is uh, how it's supposed to be, and then how our family does it. And so she knows that we, like, kind of play it off when we're around regular people, that this is, uh, you know, this is what they expect from you. This is why they expect it. This is why it's asinine. This is why you do whatever you want anyway, but then just kind of play it cool when they're around. Uh, here's the expectations. Here's what some people think about women. Here's why that's 
yeah, ridiculous. But also, don't waste too much time uh, worrying about what the dumb men think about the women because those uh, those men, they're real easy to take everything from because they'll underestimate you. Uh, <laughs> she knows all of this? Yeah. No, we spend lots of time talking about this kind of stuff. I... Uh, and she's great. Like she's so fun to talk to about these kind of things. She has she has strong opinions already. She has a great. Uh, she's eight, and she just has this great. She knows who she is. Is something yep. that I am. I feel like it's a dumb cliche thing to say about kids. I feel like parents say it, or, or not parents. I get I hear it a lot. They're like, "Wow, he's his own person," but it's still strike. It's just weird when you see someone so small. Yeah, it's strike. It's striking, and she knows exactly uh, who she is. The story about her eyes is my was one of the first things that uh, that stuck with me about Phoenix. Yeah, she had two uh, two wandering eyes. And we don't do too much, uh, med- like we don't go to doctors much. None of us do. But uh, her eye, like surgery for a kid. You know, I had him at home and stuff. You know, like surgery. I really didn't want to do. It kind of freaked me out. But I'm like, I don't know. She's gonna resent me later if I don't get these fixed. And so I took her up to the children's hospital, and they were like, Yeah, they're both wandering. So. You have to figure out which one is the dominant one and patch it. But if you patch the wrong one, they're both going to be worse and no pressure. And then they said we could do surgery, but her vision was still 2020. So it was all cosmetic. And she was, she was like, uh, by seven is when it's permanently whatever, supposedly. So she, I talked to her at like, we took her back a couple years in a row. And then I was like, is this something you want to do? And five-year-old Phoenix was like, uh, because of how it looks. And I said, yeah. And she was like, uh, so it's just something that makes me unique. Why would I change it? And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. I, if she wants to change it when she gets older, but Phoenix loves herself. She, uh, is it getting a little chunky, you know? Right now she grows out and up, and she her sister doesn't finish any of her food, so Phoenix will end up finishing her food, but she's obviously just getting a little bit too much food right now. And so I said I didn't want to give her any... Uh, I didn't want to make her self-conscious about her body. She's a very confident little girl. I just said, uh, so here's there are some ways that your body lets you know that it's getting too much fuel. And one of those ways is that your stomach will start to get upset and stuff. Another one of those ways, it'll just start holding on to a little bit more weight than you need because it's you just put too much fuel in it. So I don't know if this is sometimes your growth spurts go like this, but it's been a little bit longer. And uh, there's a possibility that maybe eating Lilith's food after eating your food, like do you think there maybe you're getting too much fuel? And she was like, okay. And just stopped eating her sister's, uh, just cut back on her portions a little bit. We didn't have to, like when I was a kid, my mom was like, well, you're a Garcia, you're going to be fat, you know, and I had all of this. I look back at pictures of me when I was a teenager before I had my first kid and I was hot and I, I didn't know that. I had all of these body image issues and stuff. So I talked to her about uh, people's obsession with what they look like and how that's the worst thing you could possibly invest in because it's fleeting, it's temporary. So when all those other chicks are super hot, just make sure you're... Uh, working on that personality, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I always wanted to be a dad. Always. 
this in my high school yearbook and, and my senior photo, it, like they asked you what your future job was going to be, and I just put father because I didn't know <laughs> like what my I didn't know what I wanted to do, except that I was very certain that I was going to be a dad. Wow. I always uh, I, I don't know wanted that, and that was also I I feel like we probably talked about this. There's the one of it was such a big part of who I was. That such a, a thing that I knew for certain about myself, that it was one of the first uh, things I put on my Mormon shelf was their idea that they said came from God, that God taught. This is God's gospel yeah, about the family and what a man should do and what a, wo- a woman should do, what mom should do and what dad should do. And I always knew that it wasn't true because... It didn't account for me. As a kid, you As know. a kid, they would say that the woman should be nurturing. And I was like, I'm nurturing. That's you, so crazy. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm nurturing. Uh, the, I would just, and then you see it in the culture too, just like the young women in the church get asked to babysit. And I'd think, I can babysit. I'd love to babysit. Why doesn't anyone ever pay me money to hang out <laughs> with babies? This is all I wanted. Like, I would have been so happy to make my money as a babysitter in high school. Wow. But no one wants to hire a high school boy to be a babysitter, you know? Uh, and and then, so I, I guess I, I, I like, and I that am, also. My mind is being blown right now thinking about this reverse uh yeah, this that idea would have been, that would have been a great job for yeah, me. I would have been boys so are happy. Incapable of, because uh, I, I, I have a, a teenage son, and uh, and Nicole is twenty three now. So like when Nicole was a teenager, she was our babysitter, but we never left uh, the kids with. Uh, that was probably for the best because he <laughs> would have tied them up and put them in the closet. Uh, he was not nurturing. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think, and I think then I also. Uh, that's why I think I took to feminism when you know as soon as I like heard about it, I thought, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Of course, yeah, I subscribe. That was like finally I heard a philosophy that I could subscribe to. I was like, no, that makes much more sense. We are equal. Yeah, <laughs> we are, people can be whatever they they want to be. It makes total sense to me. So fe- yeah, so that the the idea of feminism wasn't a reprogramming for you. From what you no, already I think believed. that like my most my most rebellious stuff at BYU had to do with uh, uh, feminist matters. Like there, when I was at BYU, they started the the ordained women movement. Uh, there was a group called Young. Uh, or there, there was a blog already called Feminist Mormon Housewives, and that was like I wasn't like before I was going to like ex Mormon Reddit and stuff. I was reading that blog, and I was reading. I was like talking to my friends who were part of the young Mormon feminists at, at Brigham Young. And I was they were the first time that I was uh, espousing beliefs that were critical of the church, where they, these these women were pointing out things that, that the church did and believed and structures within it that were hurtful to, to members within it. And I was like, yeah, I totally get that. I believe that 100%. That was the first, uh, feminism was the first thing that, uh, that allowed me to say, I I don't agree with everything that this that this church does. Wow. Uh, but I just I do worry that uh, you know I'll be 
over I'll over parent like I'll overcorrect and I so I try to stay conscious of that. And I I do think I need to let Ethan be on his own and get uh, hurt more and just you know not not try to baby him too much. But you just I, I'm so interested to see what parenting looks like for you in like three years because you are this tremendous. Uh, I'm mean, I'm sure you're going to be crushing it. But, Probably, <laughs> but parenting a child five and under and uh, is so much more about nurturing than parenting a child eight to ten years old. Yeah, and that's what it's, I'm trying to get it's ready for. Starting now, it's just this process of parenting from further and further away. I call the teenage years supervised adulthood. As as Nicole got older, I didn't get Nicole back until she was fourteen, and I got clean when she was ten. I had left her with family. I went. That probably should get its own thing. But I, uh, when I got her back, I put her on birth control. I was like, you have to get through school. And I try. And I was young. You know, I I, I didn't really. Uh, I learned a lot parenting Nicole. But by the time she was seventeen, I was parenting from way over here. I see so many people who are so overparented by their kid, by their parents. They're they're fucking three months from graduating, and they have some crazy curfew, and you're still micromanaging every minute of their lives. And they go to college, and they lose their minds because you were all up in their shit. I think that biologically, we're probably uh, this is a theory based in no science uh, that we are. I think we are probably built to be out on our own at sixteen. I think in the personalities of of uh kids that age they i i think that's why the the big push There's so much pushback because yeah. they're and then i and be. i think that we have a bunch of energy inside of us and a bunch of like fearlessness and everything and i think if you haven't by that age kind of just taught them and then sat back and let them make some mistakes give them some life skills and this whole send your kids to college thing which i could do an entire episode on fuck that propaganda uh then you have the kids are still under your care until they're 26 years old or whatever and then i but think they come home with debt and they're still under your and they're care. Incri- they're in crippling debt they just got a degree in something how the fuck is an 18 yeah. year old supposed to know what they want to do with their entire lives and then now they've just spent a decade that they were wired to figuring out uh adulthood they just spent that still getting parented and i think that that contributes to now they're 26 27 years old they're just now getting started in their adulthood and i i don't think you have the same energetic buildup i think that creates a lot of this kind of depression in these these generations but that's a whole i think my my dad and mom that i had a lot of rules things that i wasn't allowed to do yeah i don't like i just i wasn't uh allowed to there were just a lot of just because we were Mormon, I couldn't yeah. go to parties and 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 stuff that my friends were doing. I think my parents probably would have uh, been happy with me being more social. Yeah, had I had more Mormon social opportunities, I do feel so. I do feel like I did. I did stay home a lot. I didn't go out as much as other peers did. Well, but I still did. I still like I had a bunch of rules and things I wasn't allowed to do. But after that, my parents. They never really overparented. Yeah. They just the decisions were mine to make about no one ever. Also, my parents didn't go to college, so they didn't ever tell me talk tell me I had to go or anything. Yeah. But they just they let me make all these big decisions that I wanted to. You know, I'd get jobs and stuff, and they were okay with me working or whatever. So I had a bunch of freedom, and I think I'm passing that down to Ethan from a young age. I'm trying to like make sure 
that he gets to pick things that he like he gets to make decisions for himself is what yeah. I mean. Like when something doesn't matter, just let him let him do it. And I just go, I ask him to come up with solutions for stuff. I love you know, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, I still think that there's just that I I like it, like we covered. I was protective since his birth. Yeah. But uh, I and I was always going to be that kind of dad. But I think the divorce clearly, you know, uh, fucked with me and made me. And I think that obviously I needed to react a little bit because I think it's silly to ignore the changes that are happening in Ethan's life. Not right. it's silly not to give him some extra comfort in a time when he could use some more comfort. But I do th- wonder if I'm too. Like, you, you and I have talked about, I know that I'll probably calm down eventually about women and my son, but, like, I, in the in the wake of the divorce, when I got super protective, I would just get so mad. Uh, I I couldn't I couldn't talk to a, a woman about my son. I didn't like, I don't think I'm, I'm explaining this very well, uh, but... The idea it's just somebody... an idea that and it, women just let's in general are attracted to to kids. They're attracted to a guy that has a kid. They see that as a caregiver, as a nice uh, as a nice man. He'll take care of me uh, the way he takes care of his kid. Even not on a conscious level, it's just you know, it's that's just genetics or whatever. Like you, people, women are often attracted to the fact that I have a kid, and I cannot uh, that I, that nothing turns me off more. Than you bringing up my my kid because I uh, you don't just... like the idea of him being used as a pawn to get close to you or uh, you know you're never gonna let her get close to him or that I also think I don't like I don't like the idea of him being used as a pawn to get me laid <laughs> okay. right like yeah, that's gross that's yeah. gross to me that uh, that. Uh, like I don't know, it's it's just a, it it makes me feel bad, and I think I'm worried. Like I would never want to use him like that, so I'm already self conscious about that. So when uh, uh, a a woman that I'm on a date with or that I've hooked up with or something goes, "Oh my God, your baby is so cute," it it makes me feel weird a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I've already over I've already gotten better. There's I've. I used to be all like it just in the beginning, one of the first women I slept with asked me what my son's name was after we had uh, finished having sex. She was asked if I was going to stay over, and I was like, "No, I, I told uh, you know I've got my son in the morning, so I uh, I'm going to go sleep at my house." And she was like, "Oh, uh, what's your son's name?" And that triggered me so hard where I was, I just, I had, up until that moment, I had had a great time. I had really enjoyed uh, my evening. I I was very new to sex at this point and it was good. I liked, I, I thought she, she did wonderful things with my penis and <laughs> I was very, I was very grateful. I was, I was a big fan. Uh, she's a nice, wonderful lady I'd love to see again. And then she asked what my son's name was. And I was like, "The who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I don't I uh, don't take my son's name in vain. <laughs> I uh, don't go telling fucking whores uh, <laughs> my son. Like, this, I'm just saying this yeah. is how big, like, that's, I felt that change in me. Yeah. I didn't say any of that yeah, to her. Yeah, yeah, no. I just, I just lied and I told her his name was Ryan. 
That just seemed like the easy solution. I just didn't feel like I didn't I didn't feel like I betrayed him and I didn't say anything rude. I was just like, oh Ryan. And she went, oh, she like touched my chest. She's like, that's such a cute name. And I was like, yeah, I know. I picked it. It's great. Did you ever talk to her again? Uh we I did. I uh I saw her one more time after that, and uh then uh never again. I don't know. The, did she ever find out that you lied? Um that was a girl that no, I don't know. I don't know if she ever did. She can listen to this podcast and find out, maybe. But uh, I remember the second time I saw her, uh, she she was, like, drunk by the time I got over to her house. Like, she had already been out that night. She called me over just for a hookup. And then she uh, said something about a joke that I had made on social media about my about my ex. And she was like, you shouldn't do that. That's, like... Uh, oh, really sad. And I, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and uh, so I told her that uh, uh, I was leaving. You didn't have sex with her? No. <laughs> Why? What do you think? Think that you could just? I could come over to your house and you could just start critiquing my social media presence. <laughs> it's like, do you know how many followers I have? Not many, but. <laughs> Uh, first of all, the, it was a it was a great joke. <laughs> it was a gr- it was a it was a Woodall loan joke, and uh. Uh, it was probably hilarious. <laughs> and uh, you know, I had a lot of people during that time that were that would uh, say that they didn't like that people that would comment on those jokes. They were like, "Please stop," and I would yeah. and I would reply, "Unfriend me," because <laughs> it's not stopping. But I told her that I was like, I was like, all right, cool. Well, uh, I feel weird. And I was just honest. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, I feel weird now and uh, I'm going to go. <sighs> and then she spent like, I think, 20 minutes trying to re-seduce me into sex. She's like, oh, come on. Like, and she, like, and, and I just, I, I don't know. I Obstinate Aaron. Oh my God, I love obstinate Aaron, Aaron is just like, yeah, you can uh, say whatever you want now. We're, it's already, it's already over. Uh, Ryan is waiting for me. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have to get home. <laughs> so I, mean, I already now I could like I could talk about him more with women, and I don't mind when people compliment him. There are certain things that are fucking weird. There's there's a uh, there was a a woman who asked, she said someone I had slept with once, and she texted me and said, "What is I doing?" And I was like. Oh, I just taking care of my kid all day. I felt oh, I said I felt like a bad parent because I was I had to get so much work done that day that I was just putting Ethan in front of the TV, and I just felt like oh, I'm not feeling like a great dad today. And she's like, Oh, well, you should have uh, let me know. I'd love to babysit for you. And I was like, Oh, that already <laughs> that already makes me feel yeah. weird because I'm like, I've slept with you. Like I feel like you can you can you can see my son or you can suck my dick. You will not. <laughs> Be able to do both. You just, just pick, as uh, soon as you do one, you're not doing the other, right? Like yeah. there's, uh, uh, but th- so I already felt weird about that. And then she sent another text that was like, so she said, I, I could, I would love to babysit for you. And then she said, and you could pay me in cunnilingus. <laughs> who, sa- <laughs> who says that? <laughs> what? <laughs> for... Who's, who's, don't, 
text cunnilingus. Don't, uh, I don't think that should be in uh, any in any sort of flirtatious texting vocab. But if that's how you swing, go for it. Like, that's your style. Not, I don't want to criticize too much. I would... I would advise against using it in the same sentence as someone else's child. I think that no matter what their preferences are, they probably don't like it right next to the the name of their... This is why I give fake names out. Where people will be like, it's, it's a lot easier when someone is like, so after I lay Ryan down, will you go down on me? Uh... Fucking nuts. So then I didn't say anything to her. She texted me like a few days later, was like, did I cross the line? And I was like, when <laughs> when you mentioned my son and your pussy in the same breath, yeah. I I don't know. I guess I guess that's some sort of line. Sure. Uh anyway. Uh, that's it for us today, guys. That's it. Uh, we, thanks for being with us, and I'm glad that we finally got an episode done on parenting. Oh, this is good. So, if, uh, you guys want more Mormon and the Meth Head, go to patreon.com slash Mormon and the Meth Head. We've got bonus episodes, guest interviews, other fun things. We'd love to see you there. You can always check out our subreddit, uh, our Facebook page, our Facebook group. Reach out to us. Let us know how you're liking the podcast. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Mormon and the Method. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessarita. Friends, listen to them talking to 